Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with his sermon entitled, Jesus Makes a House Call, preached on May 28, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 8. I would like to speak to you from this text, from St. Matthew chapter 8, 14 through 17. I want to speak to you on the subject, Jesus makes a house call. Few physicians nowadays make house calls. But I want to speak to you about Jesus Christ, the great physician, who is singularly qualified to heal all diseases, not only of the body, but also of the soul. He made known his unique qualification in a couple of places in the Holy Scriptures, especially when he spoke about himself in his home church of Nazareth, as we read in Luke chapter 4. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He also spoke in another place about his qualification. Remember, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus to find out whether he is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. So we read in Matthew 11 verse 4, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. What Jesus simply said was that he is the Messiah. Now, point number one is that this physician sacrificed in his coming into the world. This physician came from heaven. You know, that is a little difficult for a lot of people to believe. Liberalism proclaims a Jesus who is not God. A nice teacher, probably the greatest man who was ever born. But they cannot believe what the scripture declares, that Jesus Christ was God. Jesus speaks about himself in John's Gospel, chapter 6. And verse 38. Let's listen to what he says about himself. And may God grant you faith to believe in Jesus Christ. And we read. For I have come down from heaven. Not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I have come down 
from heaven. He was very self-conscious about from where he came down. He called himself the I am. He is the eternal God. And St. John understands this. And he writes in this way in his introduction to the gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made known. In other words, this physician uniquely qualified to heal especially the most wretched disease of man which is sin. This one is God himself. He is God incarnate the word became flesh and so we must understand he came down to seek and save that which is lost he came down from heaven it was humiliation of himself it was the condescension of God that he came down into this world Saint Paul understood this And he speaks about in Philippians chapter 2. And we are told about Jesus Christ. Who being in very nature God. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. This. One, this Jesus Christ, this great physician came down from heaven. He was God and he made himself nothing when he became incarnate for the purpose that he may make a house call, that he may heal you and heal every person who will acknowledge his sin. Jesus himself again speaks in Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Let me read to you. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let us think about the condescension, the humiliation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who came down from the bosom of the Father because he loves sinners. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He alone is uniquely qualified to heal us from the greatest and the most wretched malady 
from which we are suffering that is sin and guilt. Number two, this physician came to a house, making a house call to Peter's house in Capernaum. Peter originally was from Bethsaida, which was northwest of a few miles northwest of Capernaum. He moved to Capernaum. And we wonder why he moved to Capernaum. And some suggestions are offered as answers to that question. Possibly that he heard that Jesus Christ was kicked out of his native town of Nazareth. Remember that? They wanted to kill him. They treat him with contempt when he said, This day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He offered himself as the great physician for them. But they refused to believe in him. They wanted to kill him. And so he and his family moved to Nazareth. And possibly Peter heard about this and he said, you know, I'm going to move my place from here to Capernaum. Meaning the village of the prophet Nahum. I'm going to move there because Jesus Christ has come to live there and to minister in that area. I want to be near Jesus Christ. How many people change their location on the basis of this singular question? I'm going to change my location on the basis of my spiritual enrichment and edification. A lot of people buy their houses in locations that are of good climate, which has good contour, good skiing opportunity, or surfing opportunity, or financial enrichment. But here he is moving to Capernaum. So that he can be near Jesus Christ. And be in his company. Now let me tell you that this Peter's house was certainly a house of believers. Remember that John the Baptist in chapter 1 of John said this. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And his disciples, some of them left him. Andrew was one and went to follow Jesus. In other words, John the Baptist introduced Andrew to Jesus, the one who will baptize not only in water but in the Holy Spirit, whose shoes John the Baptist was not qualified to unloose. And Andrew goes and spends some time with Jesus. And he comes out and he says, Eureka, I have found. What have you found? I have found the Messiah. And he spoke to Peter. Peter, I have found. That which we have been looking for. The person concerning whom the prophets prophesied long ago. He has made his appearance on the scene of history. We saw him. We spent time with him. 
And let me tell you, Simon believed in Jesus Christ. So there is Simon, a believer, Andrew, a believer. And of course Simon was a married person. And I'm sure he told his wife, you know, I have found Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the Son of God, the great physician of souls, the deliverer. And I'm sure she put her trust in Jesus Christ. We see her traveling with St. Peter to minister various parts of the world. You read about her in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 15. And, and also I'm sure Peter shared the gospel with his mother-in-law. Probably her husband died. She's an older woman. But she now is moving not into a convalescent home. No, that is not the way we take care of our people. She is welcome into Peter's house. Come on over. And I'm sure she also put her trust in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. Jesus Christ used Peter's house as his headquarters. Why is it? Because his own house was full of unbelief. His own brothers refused to believe in Jesus Christ. And that was also prophesied in the Old Testament. And so he refuses to be in the house of his brothers. And whenever he was in Capernaum, he will go to this Peter's house to rest and to refresh. As well as to preach and teach the kingdom of God. It was a house full of believers. And Jesus, we notice when you read the rest of the synoptic accounts of this miracle, that Jesus, on a Sabbath day, he visited Peter's house. But before he came to Peter's house, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. We read about that in Luke chapter 4. And he taught with great conviction and authority and people were amazed. As they were amazed when they listened to his teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. This one doesn't teach like a Pharisee or a Sadducee. This one teaches with authority. They have said this but I say unto you that's authority. So now, of course, having been kicked out of Nazareth, he comes to Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, as his custom was, he goes to Capernaum on the, on the synagogue, in the synagogue to worship. Oh, that's a godly habit, isn't it? A godly habit. Some people think, don't you? Don't you congratulate me because I went to church today. I don't congratulate you. That ought to be your habit. Just like eating and breathing. Your habit. Worship of God. Is something we have to do. We must do. That we may be blessed in our spirit and soul and body. We are not characterized by independence. God alone is independent. We are dependent creatures. And we come to the house of God to worship. So Jesus came there to worship and there was a demonized person. 
Now let me tell you, if you are demonized, the best place to go is a church. Not any place else. And so, we notice Jesus Christ healing this demonized person. The demon cried out, Ah, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are. You see, demons do believe, and the devils are orthodox. They believe the truth. And says, you are the Holy One from God. Jesus rebuked the demon. The demon was cast out, and the man was delivered. At his word, demons must leave. He is the Holy One of God who is uniquely qualified to bring deliverance to all. The wind and storm obey him. Demons must flee. Sickness must go. He even raises the dead. There is none like Jesus of Nazareth. It is he who created the universe by fiat. By a mere word of command. And he maintains it by the word of his power. He never fails in his deliverance. He is not afraid of any consumer reports. Especially designed to deal with physicians. He has 100% success record. Let's turn to Luke chapter 4. And read to you. From verse 36 through 38 all the people were amazed and said to each other what is this teaching with authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out that's right let me tell you demons do believe devil believes but the arrogant man especially modern man steeped and baptized in relativism he refuses to believe I was reading a book by Stanton Evans. The theme is freedom. And this great professor of Columbia, he says, he studied history very well. And he said, freedom is rooted in Christianity, he says. But modern man says, to be really free, we must destroy Christianity, abolish Christianity. Communism did that. Hitler did that. But when we reject Christianity, we become despotic. We become like animals. We kill and we maim and we take away human freedom. Yes, even the demons acknowledge him. There was one person who was absent, of course, in this worship service in Capernaum, which was Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick in bed, probably suffering from malarial fever, which was common in this area due to the proliferation of mosquitoes, especially in marshlands surrounding the area where Jordan enters the Sea of Galilee and Jordan exits the Sea of Galilee. Jesus came to Peter's house after worship. He came to rest and to refresh himself. And he came with Peter and Andrew and James and John. But they prayed to him. They besought him. They told him. We have a problem here in this house. And what is the problem? My mother-in-law is sick. And Luke, in his account, being a physician, says... She was sick of a great fever. 
and, and she's laid up in bed. And let me tell you, before Jesus can heal you, you must know your condition. You must know you are sick. Jesus Christ will not save the arrogant and the proud and self-sufficient and self-centered. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He saves sinners who acknowledges that they are sinners. Suffering from a great fever and hopeless. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Jesus Christ cannot save an American or a Chinese. It doesn't matter who you are. Unless you come to him and know that you are suffering from a mortal disease. That you have sought everybody else's help. You took chicken soup and everything else. You tried philosophy and the wisdom of this world. And it cannot heal me. That's the first thing you need to know. Know that you are sick. Know that you are dying. Know that you are under the wrath of God. Know that you are on your way to an eternal destiny that is away from God. And then you must know the physician. Who is able to deal with my sin and my guilt? Who can rescue me from hell? In other words, we must know that. And yet we have Bibles all over the place in our home. But we will not take it and read it and abide in it and study it so that we may know who Jesus Christ is. We must know that we are sick and we must know the physician, the uniquely qualified physician. The one who said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we must also pray to him. So they told him, you know, we have our mother-in-law sick, laid up in bed with great fever. All men are sinners, but only a few know that they are sinners. They alone know Jesus saves. They pray to him. Let me say this to you. Jesus heals. Jesus alone heals all sickness. Jesus alone heals all the sick who cry to him. There is no one else who is able to save. As I said many times, I will fight for the freedom of religion. So that anybody can teach anything they want. But I must also say at the same time, only Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He is the only one who is able to save us from our sin. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I would say you are wasting your time. When you join any other religion and worship any other guru, they cannot heal. Jesus came into the house. And let me tell you, this is the greatest blessing. Jesus coming down from heaven to come into my house. But the greatest blessing you and I can have is, has Jesus Christ visited your house? Is he welcome in your house? And I'm sure Peter's house was very small. And I'm sure it, he was a poor man, a fisherman. And I'm sure there was a stench in the house of fish. You could see nobody. There is no place there. Maybe one big room. In the corner this woman is laid up. And another corner somebody is cooking. There is smoke. 
And yet, oh, what a blessing. Jesus Christ has come into the house. And where Jesus comes, there is blessing. There is healing, there is hope, there is life, there is heaven. And of course, we clean and we do everything else and we cook elaborately and we invite people so that they can come and they finally can tell us oh how great we are as hosts your house is so nice you luxuriously furnished you are a gracious host man the dessert was nice and great and wonderful the greatest cook in the world you are and we suck it up isn't it we suck it up it doesn't make any difference whether Jesus ever visited that house. But here is Peter's a poor house, thatched roof, one room, a lot of stench of fish, dried fish probably, and the net is somewhere there. A lot of clutter and a lot of smoke in it. But praise God, Jesus is there. Remember the ark of God in the house of Obededom. You go and read the Old Testament history. The ark was placed in the house of Obededom for three months. And people were standing way out there always looking. Did he die? Obededom and his family and his flock and his cattle and sheep. Did they all die? Oh no, they said, you know, God bless that house. Let me say to you, if Jesus Christ is welcome in your house, it will be a house of great blessing. There will be great peace and great joy. You know, you remember Zacchaeus, he was a publican. He was a chief publican. Man, that means great sinner that he was. And in the 19th chapter, let's turn to the 19th chapter of Luke. And we, here we find him in verse 5 when Jesus reached the spot where there was a tree and and this Zacchaeus, a small fellow like me, was climbing the tree to take a look at Jesus, you know. And he came and stopped right there and this is what he said. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. That's an amazing statement. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of the Universe. He has no need to come to your house, let me tell you. And why is he coming? Why is he saying, I must come to your house? Well, the answer is found. In the ninth verse, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. As a direct result of the visit of Jesus Christ into that chief of sinners. I must stay. At your house. Jesus came down from heaven. That he may come into your house. To bless you. To save you. To heal you. The fight. And the misery. And the wretchedness. And the divorce. And the conflict. And the rebellion. That is in your house. Is a stench. You don't know what joy is. What peace is. What tranquility is. What we know is misery. And wretchedness. And lostness. And complaint. What we need is Jesus Christ. Like Peter's mother-in-law, everybody in the house is sick. 
laid up in bed. There is no difference. All have sinned and all under the wrath of God. No one seeks God, Paul says. No one does good. No one understands. All have turned away, he says. All have turned astray. But in love and great compassion, the Son of God, Jesus, is coming from his home in heaven. He has made this journey of humiliation to come into your house, into my house, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. He is coming today to make us whole, to make us strong, to make us fit for home. He is coming today. Do you believe that? This is the hour of grace. This is the hour of freedom. This is the hour of the gospel. Yes, he came down from heaven. He came to Peter's house. But not only that, Jesus comes to you personally. Jesus has not only come down to the world of sinner. He has not only come down to your house. He has graciously come to you. You have a name, don't you? You are an individual, aren't you? And praise God, Jesus Christ is coming to you as an individual. He has entered the room of Peter's mother-in-law. He loves women. Let's understand that. He loves men, but he loves women. There is no discrimination with Jesus Christ. He loves mother-in-laws. That's wonderful, isn't it? Mother-in-laws are loved by Jesus Christ. He loves widows. He is the God of widows. He loves senior citizens. You know, in this country, who cares for senior citizens? We kick them and we place them in warehouses and forget about them. We don't want to be interfered by their inconveniences. But let me offer to you, Jesus Christ, who loves senior citizens. Especially those who acknowledge themselves to be sinners and look to Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Peter's house is small. In fact, there is a stench of fish. But the creator of the universe, the eternal God, full of compassion, does not despise your poor smelly house. Nor the poor old woman who is very sick. He came into her room. He asked the great physician, bent over her. As she laid up in bed, he heals people, let me tell you, one by one. He is a personal physician. He has a personal interest in you. And if you physicians let me give you some counsel, take a personal interest in every sick and every patient, you will go a long way. There are some physicians who are arrogant. Who are so proud. They will not take a personal interest. They treat them as a number. But here is Jesus Christ. The greatest physician of the world. Takes a personal interest. In the poor and the despised. And the sick. And the book says. Read it in Matthew 8 verse 14. He saw her. And let me say to you. He sees you as an individual. He sees you in your degradation, in your need, in your trouble, in your misery. You don't need to tell him the details of it. He knows it. He's the omniscient one as well as the omnipotent God. He saw her, his eyes of compassion and mercy. See you even now. He loves you. He feels for you. 
Not like the leftists and the liberals. They always say, we feel your pain. That doesn't mean anything. Here is somebody who feels your pain and went to the cross to die. To save you. He feels for you. He knows your misery. He is ready to help. And then the text says, he touched her. Remember the, the man full of leprosy. The wretched, miserable man. Who came to Jesus and said, I know you are capable and able to heal me. But I don't know whether you are willing. Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him. He touched her hand. Oh, the touch of this son of God. The touch of compassion. You know, we appreciate the touch of the husband and the touch of the wife and touch of your sons. But let me tell you, there is the touch of Jesus Christ that makes you whole. Oh, the touch of this son of God, the touch of compassion, the touch of love, the touch of assurance, the touch of understanding. It is also the touch of power. It is the touch of healing. When he touches you, you can be certain of total healing and total deliverance. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. Something happened. Yes, something will happen. That's total restoration of you. That's what that something is. And in the rest of the Gospels, we read that he raised her. Not only he touched her, he raised her up. For it is Jesus Christ who is able to raise us up from our tomb. No longer you need to lie down. You are healed. He raised her up. He is the Lord of life. He raises the dead. He alone is able to raise you from your sickness. We are dead in trespasses and sins. But Jesus quickens us and raises us from the dead. And the text says the fever left her. There is no period of convalescence and recuperation. Instant healing because of the miracle of Jesus Christ. She was deprived of all strength. But instantly strength from Christ entered into her and made every bit whole. Yes. At his rebuke, the demons must flee, the fever must flee, the stormy sea must become calm. He is the Lord, he has all authority to him, all must submit. Men and angels, diseases and demons, death and hell must submit to this one. Now let's understand whether this person really was healed. We are told she got up instantly and what was she doing? Telling her daughter to come and now take care of me. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Jesus healed me. Look, look at me, everybody. How great I am. He didn't do anything for you. He did for me. Now everybody come and praise me. Appreciate me. You know, I'm going to continue to lie down in bed. and A life of ease. No, 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 no. If you are given strength by this Jesus Christ, you must begin to serve him with that strength instantly, which is the proof and test that you have been saved. That's right. There are a lot of people who would say, you know, if Jesus saved me, then I can now go home and do my thing. 
Isn't that wonderful? I say, please pray for my husband. You know, he's a drunkard and he's a spendthrift and he doesn't come home and, you know, and all that. And he comes very late and then beats me up and all that. Please pray that he'll be saved so I can have a better husband. And all my needs will be met or a better wife who will take care of me. No! We must serve Jesus Christ with our life, with our might, with our money, with our influence from the moment of our healing. Because that alone demonstrates that we are truly saved. Yes, she got up instantly and began waiting on him in the imperfect tense, meaning he was continually waiting on him. That's what Christian life is all about. Because of our gratitude, all of our life, we are waiting on Jesus Christ. We want to know what he wants and we will do what he wants. That's Christian life. Not anything else. He gave him healing. He gave him strength. And so she uses the strength to minister to him. She uses her gifts to serve Jesus Christ by cooking a meal and serving him and others. He brought other people too. James and John and Andrew. He came to rest and to refresh and finally she is doing it. You see, the way to minister to Jesus Christ is not necessarily to become an instant preacher and stand on the pulpit. You minister with the gifts he has given you. You understand that? And look at this woman. She was an old woman. She knows one thing. What is it? To cook and to serve. She is not going into the center of city hall and preaching anything. She doesn't have to. Use whatever your gift is with which you serve the devil. And now use it to serve Jesus Christ. Oh, what privilege is ours to minister to the eternal Son of God. What dignity is ours that Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, will condescend to us to receive our hospitality. See, when we minister to Jesus Christ, ours is the honor, isn't it? Oh, that's wonderful. Let me ask you, why do you want to be saved? Why do you want to be healed? Is it to serve yourself? To indulge in all of your desires. Oh no. We need to be healed. That we may be all. We may use all our God given strength. To serve him who is our savior. And in the conclusion. Of this. Miracle story. He makes this statement. In verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken. Through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. And carried our sorrows. There is a cost for our healing. And that cost is the cross of Jesus Christ. Every benefit you and I receive from Jesus Christ comes from the cross upon which he died. That is the cost basis if you are an accountant. The cost basis is the cross and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The cause of all our healing is to be found in the cross of Jesus Christ. All benefit we receive from Jesus Christ comes to us from the cross upon which Jesus Christ died for our sins. He took our infirmities. He carried away our sorrows. He took our iniquities. He took our guilt. He was crushed. 
the Bible says punish for our sins all our troubles let me tell you spring from sin and guilt what causes war what causes sickness what causes poverty what causes hell it's our sin and Christ healed people on the basis that one day he will die on the cross for our salvation all of our troubles springs from our sin sickness death eternal damnation wrath of God Jesus died on the cross for me and for you if we recognize our sin and repent of our sins and trust in Christ he has come down from heaven into this world he has come down into our house and not only that he graciously as the great physician is coming to me personally he is looking at me he sees me he understands my problem he is coming to your room he is coming to you now this morning he is seeing you in your misery I want you to see him stretching out his hand to touch you to heal you to raise you up even now he is healing you the question is will you be healed by the only surgeon general of the universe Jesus Christ he never heals anyone who pretends he is not a sinner he came to save let me tell you sinners only need to come to Jesus Christ Some people ask what qualification I must have to come to him. This is the qualification. Put away your PhD. Put away your stock and bond. Put away your knowledge. Put away your self-justification. Put away everything. And come as a sinner. And say I am a sinner. And I am on my way to destruction. Do you think Jesus Christ will heal me? Save me. Help me. My answer is yes. He will never cast away any person who will come to him. It is he who made this great invitation known. Come unto me. All those who are weary and laboring, come unto me. I will give you rest. You see he came to Peter's house to rest and refresh himself. But he can be refreshed. by these people only when he gives them rest none of us can serve him unless he serves us first isn't that true shall we rise let me offer to you jesus christ who will receive you if you come and ask him i want anyone and everyone who need anything from jesus christ to come forward come forward and stand here and we will pray for you don't be ashamed <laughs> jesus christ humbled himself he came down from heaven is that true all the way down all the way down to great humiliation he sacrificed for us anyone who wants from jesus christ from jesus this jesus christ anything come forward and tell anyone who wants to receive Jesus Christ as lord i say come and he will help you yes he will help you 
<laughs> Man and woman, boy and girl, old people, young people, teenagers, it doesn't matter. All are sinners. All are sinners, the Bible says. Isn't that true? That's true socialism. All are sinners. We have PhDs, a lot of them in this church, doctors, lawyers. Doesn't matter, we all are sinners. Will you cry out to Jesus Christ and ask him to save you and ask him to touch you, ask him to heal you, ask him to deliver you so that you may serve him for the rest of your life by the life that he gives you. Hallelujah. What about your house? Is there anybody sick in that house? If there anybody that is not saved in your house, that's the greatest sickness. We buy computers for these kids. We buy electronic games. We buy every kind of gadget for them. But don't you understand that many in your home are laid up in bed and sick and lost. Don't you weep and don't you cry. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, I want to bring to your attention my kid who is laid up in bed. My wife, my husband, my husband, who doesn't come to church. He shows up whenever he wants. I don't see any kind of life in this man. He is lost, he is sick in bed. Have mercy upon my husband, my wife, my children, oh God. I would rather be poor and live in a house full of stench and smoke. As long as Jesus Christ has come and made it a house of prayer, a house of worship, a house of service. Will you repeat this prayer? Now I want you to come to him by faith, by faith. Knowing that he is not just a man. He is God who became man. God and man. The one who created the universe by the word of his power and supports it. And it is he who supports you right now. You breathe because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I thank you for sending your son. Jesus Christ, Christ, the eternal Son of God. God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Father, for loving me me in Jesus Christ. Christ. That you can heal us. That you can can touch us. That you can can raise us up. up. We are sick, O Lord. But I thank you, Heavenly Father, For Jesus Christ. Christ, That who died on the cross. cross, In my behalf. behalf, He took away my infirmities. infirmities, That I may serve you. you, With all my being. being, For the rest of my life. life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I will serve you. And it will be a great joy for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.